Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper. And remember, I'm only as hip as my guests. And I have to tell you, I was talking about Halloween in the last hour. We also, uh, I went to a Halloween party this weekend. And I went, it was my friend's party. It was on the roof of the W in Hollywood. Now, I'm not, I'm not a club person. I, I have no fun. If I want to go and get a cocktail, I want to go to a bar. And I want to spend like 15 bucks for a, a whiskey. But we go there, and I just really notice, as you get older, just kids are dopier these days. And I hate to say it, maybe it's the Hollywood kids, but I'm sitting there, and first of all, we look like a weird couple, because, you know, I'm dressed as Uncle Fester, which was which was sad, because all I, was, all I had to do was shave my head and, and put a light bulb in my mouth, and people knew who I was. And then Joanne was dressed as Holly Golightly, because she's great looking, and so people are thinking, this is a really weird couple. And just the other kids, it was supposed to be like a dead celebrity or a dead actor party, so that's Jackie Cougar for me. But these kids were coming up, showing them like a Superman. And I'm like, when they say dead celebrity, you go there, and the club, it was just... I don't know. I, just, I don't. I don't go to the club scene, and and, and then it started pouring because it's on the roof and it's near a pool, and so all these kids are freaking. Not kids; they're like twenty three, twenty four. They're just freaking out, and uh, so yeah. I don't. You know, I don't think I'll be to the club in the next ever. That's what I think. Anyway, we have a we have a great show. Uh, my guest today is Larry Hankin. How you doing, Larry? I'm I'm just doing fine. Good. No, it's funny because now I now. What's your feeling on clubs? Do you have Did you ever get invited to parties? I I did the club thing when I was a young uh i don't i don't get it anymore i i, I don't I, I i never i never met anybody at a club that i wanted to hang with right isn't that funny you it's, know it's, it's a just different personality uh but i think you outgrow clubs you know like you outgrow marbles and stuff yeah it's weird because I'm, I'm like let's go and i have friends who hey let's go to this club and i'm like I'm 51. I don't want to go to a club. I have a girlfriend. What am I? What am I going to yeah. do? I don't want to spend. I don't. I don't want to spend 15 bucks for a drink. If I can go to happy hour and get a drink for four bucks, I'm fine with that. But I, yeah. people just don't get it. So now you're a New Yorker originally, right? Uh, yeah. I, I'm a I'm a Farakawayer, Farakaway, New York. In other words, I was out on Long Island. You're an island, okay? Long Island. So you're one of those Long Island guys. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm. I was on the. I'm a beach guy, and then, so now I live in Marina del Rey. So it's this, the same thing. I just went back to the beach. And see, that's cool because I, I. I also explained that I'm explaining to people the difference between the beaches back east and out here. Like you know, in the summertime, like back uh-huh. in Long Island, summer trash we called them. Yeah, because I used to go down for the summers. The foreigners for we used to call. Them. So we called them shoebies or bennies. We yeah. called them that. So now, now you grew up in the island. Yeah, and now. As a kid, did you want to act, or I mean, how did this career? I career never start? wanted to act. I, 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 I never wanted. To, I never wanted to do anything. Okay, frankly, <laughs> I still don't. Um, I just fell into it because um, I went to college, Syracuse University, and I fell in with uh, one of my, to this day, my best friend. I just had dinner with him last night, Carl Gottlieb, who wrote Jaws. We, we, that was my buddy in, in college, and we just hung out together and were pretty much uh, kind of independent weirdos uh, in college. And when I graduated as an industrial designer, which I didn't want to be, I just went, I wanted to go to college for some strange and stupid, turned out, reason. Uh, so the only way I could finagle that was to be an industrial designer. That was the only thing my parents would give me money to be so I went to industrial design but when I graduated I didn't want to do it um, I got pretty good marks but I just didn't want to do it uh, so Carl said hey you know let's go to Greenwich Village and he was going to be a writer he knew that so I was just his roommate and I, I pretty much starved for, for a year while I was his roommate I was swabbing duck boards uh, in bars and restaurants for about uh, that that whole year and I felt and I thought well I had nothing to do most of the day because I worked at night uh, so I went to coffee houses in Greenwich Village and I started to see uh, folk singers and stand-up comedians and I thought I can do that I make people laugh I won funniest in high school, so okay. I thought, all right, you know, <laughs> looks easy. But I wasn't very good. I, I, I was in the beginning the Van Gogh of comedy. <laughs> very awkward, very... But I, I learned. I, I actually stuck with it. And uh, I've heard recordings of me in the beginning. And I was 
God, freaking awful, man. Uh, but I, I learned, and, and within a, a year and a half, I was opening for Miles Davis and Woody Allen, and uh, so stick with it, guys. So, wait, so you were opening for, I mean, not they're just two legendary names. I mean, where were yeah, you? Yeah, so, so that, I went from, like, being god-awful to opening for these legendary people. And Miles Davis, My, Miles wanted me to tour with him in Europe, you know, but... I was afraid of Europe. <laughs> Why? I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I didn't want to leave the country. I thought I would I would miss my, you know, the agent who was going to show up. There was no agents in Europe. I, I, right. I, I don't know. <laughs> it was just a foreign country, countries <laughs> to me. So I just stayed in Greenwich Village <laughs> as opposed to touring with Miles Davis. <laughs> and I fell in with Woody Allen. That's how I started opening for Woody Allen. And I got his manager. So, so that was the, the start of my show business career it must have been really it's funny I, i'm a huge woody allen fan and a, and a lot of people don't even know that what an amazing stand-up the guy was i mean when you listen to well, it it's yeah he was he was before uh you know uh, that guy Wright, uh, who Stephen does Wright. his odd steve Wright. he he was doing stuff you know one-liners that were just out there but what i know about woody because i was opening with him when he first he wasn't even woody allen you know uh, he was just his guy like me, but he was playing to an uptown crowd, and I was Lenny Bruce, you know, smoking pot kind of. Was that your act? Was your act sort of that more was my edgy? Act, act was smoking pot and cursing on stage. Okay. That was my act. But I was pretty funny. I mean, the, the manager of Woody Allen said, "Hey, I want to manage you." So I thought, okay. So he started to. But I couldn't develop any, but the difference was I'm not, a, I wasn't, I am now, but I wasn't a writer. I couldn't write anything. I had to just get up on stage and start talking. That's why I was so awful in the beginning. I would just get up on stage and start talking okay. with whatever came into my head about my day, about cops, about pot, about, and it turned out that luckily for some, some strange reason, again, um, I discovered, and I think most comedians have this. I had a photographic memory for jokes. Uh, no, not for jokes, for laughs. In other words, if I said something funny on stage, I could remember it the next night. So I just, for, uh, for some reason, I mean, I wasn't trying to. You were creating bits, but with I some, was, not yeah, knowing. And so I got these well, hunks of, of, of laughs. Uh, and so I could... And then I got 20 minutes, and that was pretty funny. And that was my, my hunk uh, to open for Woody Allen. And so that's what I was doing. Uh, and he was playing the clubs. So, so we graduated to clubs. And then he graduated to the Hotel Americana, which is then he became Woody Allen. You know, he, he got the, his first gig as a headliner at Uptown. And I, uh, I wanted to go with him. And... Uh, so I spoke to my agent and my agent, I said, you know, why can't I open for Woody Allen at the Americana? He said, Woody got on the Ed Sullivan show. That's why he's on at the Americana. I said, well, get me on the Ed Sullivan right. show. He <laughs> said, you don't have any, you curse and, and talk about drugs, Larry. I remember that. <laughs> Larry, you curse and talk about drugs. What are you talking about? I said, well, that's what I do. That's why you hire. I mean, you. Right. That's why you were laughing when you said, "Hey, I'm going to manage this guy." He said, "Well, you need television material. You need to write television material." And I don't know what the hell that was. Write television material. Those were three words I never heard of. Right. And uh, so I said, I. I, I just get up on stage and talk. He said, "Well, then." He said, "Larry, I remember the speech." He said, "Larry, look." It's two words, show business. <laughs> so I tell you what, uh, you know, uh, and I said, Woody, I said, yeah, but I don't know what I said, but he, the, his answer, I'll never forget these things that they say to me all my right. career. People <laughs> say these things that I have no idea what you're talking about. He said, um, Woody is a star. He was trying to explain it to me. Woody is a star, and, and, and that's why he's headlining at the Americana Hotel. So I tell you what, Larry. Uh, you go make yourself a star, and, and I'll book you into the Americana Hotel. I said, he said, and then he says, but I, I tell you what, I'll even make a deal with you. 
if you make yourself famous, I'll make you a star. Or you make yourself a star and I'll make you famous. But I can't do both, Larry. <laughs> okay? And so I said, well, uh, you know, okay. So I said, I'm going to go out and, uh, and set myself up to become either a star or famous, whichever comes first. And so I started playing these obscure clubs. But, and I was doing okay because I was setting up, I was opening for the New Kingston Trio. That was cool, you know, until I, I opened in one club and I started, you know, doing my God bit and my marijuana bit and my cursing bit. And this guy comes, now in a nightclub, you know, the stage is only like what? Three yeah. inches, to, you know. It's just a little uh, above the. the it's dance just floor. whatever whatever they can have to put put you on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so that's you're, like, you're it's like a card table. Stage, yeah, it's, that's three th inches above I, I, the I did dance stand up floor. for years. Yeah, and you, there's dark out there, right. and all of a sudden, out of the dark, across the dance, this empty dance floor, coming at me, was a guy with a beer bottle in his hand, upside down, and and he wasn't going to offer me a drink. He right. was coming at me, and he said. Get the fuck off the stage. And I go, what? He says, get off the stage. We don't want to hear about God. And we don't want to hear about marijuana. We want to hear the Kingston Trio. And, and I said, well, okay. He, he was about as close as you are to me now. Right. And I said, okay. And I got off the stage. I went over to the bar and I said, just sat down. It was very, that neat. Okay. <laughs> and all of a sudden, the bartender comes over to me. He said, what are you doing here? I said, that guy, you just said, you're the bouncer, man. You're the bartender. He came at me with a bottle, and you're the bouncer, and you're supposed to protect me. He said, I don't know what you... He obviously saw it. I mean, the bar is right, right. dance floor. <laughs> he said, I don't know what you're talking about. And he shows his wristwatch to me, and he says, you still got 10 minutes. And I said, no. I said, bring on Kingston right. Trio. And that was the end of... That was it. And I, I, when I finally got back to uh, New York, uh, this was in Boston, that this was Lenny's on the Highway. I'll never forget it. And I, I said, I can't do this anymore, man. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a middle class Jewish kid. I, I can't take the guys coming at me with bottles and stuff. <laughs> so he said, join, join uh, Second City. So you did that? So that's what I did. Now, a lot of people go, wow, you just. Went and joined Second City. I mean, you don't, didn't you have to audition and go to school and, you know, that, those kind of... I said, no, I, I, I auditioned actually for Paul. So I auditioned with uh, Robin Williams. Okay. He was in Second City for a while. So we auditioned together. N not that I knew him, I mean, but years later I said, oh, that's Robin. Right. That's, we, uh, and that's, then that's how I got into acting. But, but so it was... Uh, a, a series of attritions, <laughs> fallback, plan B, plan C, until finally I, I got to Hollywood. But but it was always because, I don't know about this. I don't know about this. Uh, the, the Second City, I joined Second City, and then we broke off, a couple, five of us, malcontents, uh, went to San Francisco and started um, the committee. Okay. And, and and that's when people started to come up from L.A. Uh, 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 casting people and stuff, and uh, so that we started to get hired. And then the entire company, a series of attritions, moved down to L.A. and left me there. And then finally, I I the place closed, or it was just so many. It was you know Company X by then. I mean everybody's leaving. Right. Because the, 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 see, in Chicago, you're not, you're, you're not close enough to be uh, attracted to Hollywood. I mean, it's you know, a couple of thousand miles away. There's nobody in the audience that's going to make you famous. Right. You've got to actually stop there and, and actually move and, and start all over again to Hollywood. But up in San Francisco, they were flying up. Penny Marshall would come up and all these famous people, and that's how I fell into... Uh, I, I was up there, and somebody called and said uh, to me up in San Francisco, everybody else who I knew was gone, and I didn't know any of these kids by now who were Company X. So I just kind of 
quit. I was living in my car. <laughs> for I was living in my car for a couple of months in San Francisco because I didn't want to be an actor. I didn't want to be an actor. Why? I mean, just because I, I thought that was face acting. You know, if uh, close-ups. That's what I called it. Okay. Exactly. I didn't want to be a movie. That you had to get an agent and you got to make rounds and audition. And I was a stand-up comedian. You you didn't audition. You just went to somebody and, you know, you did your Monday night, you know, open mic and somebody saw you or you just went up to somebody. It was all chutzpah. Right, right. Basically. It's, you're doing it yourself. So you don't, you don't want to act. You're in your car, but then you come to L.A. I, I, no, I was starving in my car, and somebody, uh, and then two things happened at the same time. One is Carl Gottlieb by now had written Jaws. He was like a big deal, and his wife, he was married by then, called me. She, she was a very nice person. Uh, she still is a nice person. She's a great person. She said, hey, Larry, I hear you're starving up there. Come on down. You can sleep on the couch. You know, they had a big mansion by then. So that's what I I did, and then as soon as I, I mean I was there for <laughs> I was sleeping on the couch for two weeks, and um, Allison Kane is is Carl's wife. That's her name. Allison is a wonderful person and really good. She's good to me, but she's a hard ass. Okay. So after two weeks, she comes to me. I you know you had to make your bed at nine o'clock in the morning because of guests. You know I was sleeping on the couch. So I had to get up at 9. She wakes me up at 8.30. She says, okay, your time's up. Get out. Just like that. And I go, what, what, what? She said, two weeks. Your two weeks is up. I go, what, what two weeks? She says, two weeks. You only can stay on the couch for two weeks. You got to get out of here. I said, you never told me that. She says, well, I'm telling you now. Out. I said, but, but, but Allison, I'm Larry. This is Carl. What are you talking about? You invited me down here. Get out, Larry. I said, give me one more day. So she gave me one more day to find a place, not right. a couch. So now I'm couch surfing. And within two days of that, when she kicked me out, I got a call from Laverne and Shirley saying, do you have an agent? And I said, no. And they said, well, a guy came in looking for cool people who came through here. And Penny Marshall said she saw you up in San Francisco call this number. I called the number and he said, it was an agent. He said, you want an agent? Do you have an agent? I said, no, yes. Right. And he said, okay, you got an agent, go to Laverne and Shirley. They want to hire you because Laverne and Shirley saw you up there. So that was it. Boom. And now so, I'm an actor. So that, so then you got, I mean, out of and nowhere, then, I mean, and then you, and then I was on my way. So what was that like? I mean, I mean, for your first time on a set, cause you seemed like a guy that just, just didn't really like, you know, I like, hated it. I had you? an attitude and still do. I have an attitude problem. People would call all the time. What's, what's with your, what's with Larry? Well, what do you mean? Well, he's got an attitude problem. You know, because I'd say, you know, they'd ask me to audition and I'd go, okay, you know, I would audition. And they say, well, okay, that was good, but now do it this way. And I go, why? <laughs> I, I didn't, you know, when you audition as a stand-up comedian, maybe, you know, you do two or three minutes. Right. And they hire you or not. They don't say, okay, now do it different. Right, right. You know, <laughs> do it, do it with a, with a Spanish accent. Do it more, more pauses. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so, right. you, put your punchlines separately. Yeah. I know. It's a, it's a, and I, I didn't, I didn't now I, I, I'm very naive, but I, th I think I, cause I would think about it, you know, and I think I just didn't want to understand. I mean, that's basically it. But what's amazing is, you know, you didn't really want to understand, but you look at your, I mean, you constantly worked. I mean, that's, oh, what, that's yeah. what's amazing. I mean, that's what's so funny because, you know, so some people get so into it. They're like, so like, oh, you got to do this, this. But someone who just like you was like, ah, you know, uh, uh, and then all of a sudden, I mean, you know, and they're not, you're like on Hill Street Blues. You're, I mean, you're in a bunch of different shows. So oh, it, you must have been something shows. Right. I was on the best shows. But if you look there, you will see. That there's no recurring roles. Right. Okay. <laughs> All right? So... Uh, what, kind, what, what kind of roles were you getting called for? Like, uh, just I would get called for any kind of roles, but I really didn't know who, who I was. I mean, if you really want to get, you know, serious about it. If you want to be a success at anything, you have to know who you are first. And then that's what you present, you know, for, for an audition or an interview or whatever, even if you want to be your own artist. You got to know who you are, and that's what you put out. And I didn't, and I didn't for 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 years. I, I mean, I, Bob Dylan was calling me to 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 uh, 
write movies for the band. I, wait, wait, how, how did you know Bob Dylan? He would be coming. I didn't know Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan knew me. It turned out years later when I was at the <laughs> committee, Bob Dylan played Berkeley when he was, you know, in, in the folk th thing. Uh, after his second record, or first record, a second record, he came to the committee and he was asking for me. So they said, hey, Bob Dylan's out there, you know, and then in the lobby during intermission. So I went out to him and he said, hey, I want, I, I want to talk to you. So I said, okay. And we went to this bar and we were talking with, his, uh, with Bobby Newworth, his, his road manager. So we went to a bar and he was telling me this thing that he wanted me to write with him and for him. And I didn't know what he was talking about. I never know what anybody's talking about. That, that, I never. So, uh, yeah, until years later. And then I go, oh, that's what he was talking right. about. And I, I found out years later what he was talking about. But when he was there, he wanted me to, and he said, well, you know, I want you to write this thing. I go, what thing? He said, well, you know, it's like, I don't know, Sammy Davis Jr. dancing on, on a bar, you know, and, and, and the bar is n papered with newspaper headlines. And, and he was going on and on. And I'm, I'm nodding like, yeah, yeah, but I didn't know what the hell he was talking about. But Bobby <laughs> Newith picked it up immediately because in the middle of what he was describing to me, or what, what Bob was describing to me, Newith goes, he just gives him an elbow, you know, hey, hey. Just a little, little subtle one, but right in front of me across the table. He goes, let's go. He says what he says to Bob. He says, let's go. Come on. I said, what? He says, he's, come on. He's, he doesn't, it's, this is not it. So, so they left, and I thought, oh, my God, I've, I've totally blown it. I didn't know what he was talking about. Years later, I figured out he was describing to me before MTV videos, music videos. That's what he was describing. Wow. He was describing an MTV music. He wanted me to write the music video for one of his songs. And, but music videos hadn't... Right, they weren't around. Yeah. <laughs> but the reason he had come to me was, A, uh, he had seen me in Greenwich Village when he was in Greenwich Village before he was Bob Dylan. And he was watching my stand-up, my, my, my pot. My, he thought it was the greatest thing. Right. You know, he thought, oh, pot, and, you know, <laughs> cursing and God and all that. So he thought I was very funny, and that's why he showed up. But I was opening, at one point, while I was opening for Woody, I was also opening for the Love and Spoonful and a lot of the uh, rock guys, Blood, Sweat, and Tears. And uh, he, uh, and, and Zal Yanofsky, the famous, the infamous Zal Yanofsky of the Love and Spoonful, before he was kicked out of the country, um, had asked me to write one for him. And I did. Uh, b because Zal took the um, time to explain it to me. Okay. He sat me down and said, no, what I want you to do is I've got this song. And he wasn't being abstract or, or unique about it. He, he just was saying, I want you to do a, uh, this music video while I'm singing. Okay. <laughs> and here's what I want, you know, a dead fish in it. I, it was the same kind of stuff, but I got it. Right. I never connected it, you know. And I, I made it, and it was pretty funny. It played on uh, I don't know, that guy that never got old. What's his name? D uh, uh, um, Dick Clark. Dick Clark. Okay. It, it played on the Dick Clark show and stuff, and Dylan had seen it. So that's just that's crazy. Where he, that's the connection he made. I didn't remember that. And I, he was talking in this, you know, and I was so scared and in awe of Dylan uh, that I, I couldn't understand what he was saying when that's all he was saying. That's funny. Yeah, you know, it's just, but, but years later he still remembered me because when uh, uh, the band wanted to do a movie, uh, Robbie, Robbie Robertson called me and said, hey, I said, how did you get my number? Why are you even calling me? How do you even know I live? I'm alive. He said, Bob told me to call you. So he still remembered, even though I knew it said this guy doesn't know it. The, the funny part of it was when uh, um, Robbie Robertson picked me up at the airport and we were talking on the way back to where he was gonna, I was going to stay, up in Woodstock in Bearsville. I, I got the impression he thought I didn't know what he was talking about. Because I remember he stopped over at his house. He said, let me go inside. And I got to tell my wife I'm bringing you to the ho hotel or wherever I was. 
And I heard him. He says, come on in, just wait in the living room. So I waited in the living room, and I could hear him saying, but the guy doesn't know anything. And he said, you go out there. You, you, he, he's, he's here because you wanted him here. Now you go out there and you take him down. And then they were arguing in there. But I, yeah, so that's... I want to talk more about your uh, your career, but we, I want to talk about your new projects too, because you, you said a few new yeah, projects. Yeah. Let's talk about the new projects right now. Sure. So, uh, what, what, what's going on with your new projects? I know well, you wrote something with, with Howard Hussman and uh, Mark Beltzman. Were in it? Or? Oh wow! Yeah, that's we just did that. I saw that's when I hit you up. I saw the picture because I'm friends with Mark. He had posted oh, a picture wow. of you guys, and I said, "Well, God, I, I know your work." And I said, "You know, because and you know, people remember you when you you played Kramer." I mean, right. That was like that was one of those roles that everyone everyone watched Seinfeld back then. Yeah, and, and you played them great. I mean, and you. And, I guess you know. Uh, but what's I mean, that like though? Because you're play, you're playing <laughs> someone who's like everyone knows who he is, and then you yeah. and you got to be like, and this, you make fun of George, and you and you're well, grumpy again. Again, <laughs> it's the the attitude problem, or I don't know what's going on at the time, and then I I, I have a lag time. That that's my problem. I have a lag time. I mean, I don't know what you're asking me now, but tomorrow I'll. Yeah. Oh, that's what he's talking about. <laughs> I, I just, you know, I'm I'm slow, but I when I get it, I do get it. But geez, am I slow? Um, so the the, the project, uh, Kramer, um, again, my attitude. I I auditioned because it was Kramer. I thought, oh, cool, you know, but it, it wasn't so far out because. I look a lot like, uh, you know, Michael Richards, and we were auditioning together for for a year, a year at least, before he got Seinfeld or Seinfeld was even invented. So I would see him all the time at auditions because we were going up for the same part. And even in one uh, now discontinued sitcom, we played brothers on a sitcom. So I I knew Michael. So when the role came up uh, to to play... uh, Tom, <laughs> uh, Michael brought my name up. He said, well, why don't you get Larry Hankin? You know, he looks like me. He's a really funny guy, man. Uh, so they called me in. But the, again, the weird thing that I didn't understand was when I went for the audition, the place was packed with people who wanted to audition for the role. But nobody looked like him. There was a bald people. There was fat people. There was short people. There was thin people. There was nobody who looked anything like him. I said, well, I got this. This is the, the no-brainer, you know. And I had to audition five times, wow. man. So each time I got more and more of an attitude. Like, come on, make up your freaking mind, man, <laughs> after a while. And there was always this Asshole. This, this, yes. <laughs> in the room who just sat there and said, do it again or come in the door again. You know, that, had a, that was the audition, come in the door and say some lines. And, I, and I, finally I said on the fifth time when my, my agent said, they want you to come audition again. I go, okay, but if that guy, that guy was there, <laughs> I was going to say something and I don't care if I blow it. I, I didn't care by now. And so I went in and here was this guy. And he says to me, okay, come in again. No, I knew, you know, each time there was uh, Seinfeld, Jerry was there, and... Uh, Larry? Uh, who? Larry, David? Uh, well, no, no. Uh, the, the other actor. Uh, oh, Jason Alexander. And Jason, I, I, I knew those. And then there was a guy named Tom. He was the director. There's always the director in the audition. And there was this other guy there. So he says, this other guy says to me, go out and come in again. So I go out. Now, when you go out, you're in the waiting room where where the secretary is with with, with the phone and everything. So when I got out on the other side of the the room and as I'm waiting to go in and I'm really says, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to curse this guy out. I said to the secretary, I said, who the fuck is that bald guy in there? (laughs) She says, that's Larry David. I go... Oh, <laughs> thank God I had asked before I went in. So the asshole was Larry David, who it turns out helped me get that um, uh, performance that everybody loves. He helped me. Larry David is a genius. Right. I was going to curse him out because I didn't know who the f- this guy was. Man. So, uh, you know... 
there was that added to thank God I asked before I opened my mouth. Thank <laughs> but but uh, just to add the end to it, years later when he was doing a Curb Your Enthusiasm, he called me, or you know the the, the casting director called me, and um, I went to audition. And all I had to do was block him in an elevator. That was all. I was a big guy. And all I had to do was I say, hey, buddy, get out of my way. That was the only line as I get out of the elevator. And so uh, in the audition, Larry David auditioned with me. And I went, hey, buddy, get out of my way. So loud and so angry that I literally scared him. <laughs> he backed off. And he said, okay, 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 uh, thank you. Okay, get out. <laughs> and he never called me again. <laughs> so the attitude, you know, I'm high or low or whatever. I, you know. So, what are the so I started doing my own project. Yeah, so, uh, so now did you, so you finally started to write? Even though you I finally started to write because this was, I, I started to hate acting. But you explained uh, really, things you were you were working though. That's one thing. I was working, but I wanted to get out so bad. And now you know, I you you start to get in a comfort zone where you got like big responsibilities. You got like you know a big apartment. You got rent. You got you know you got a car, you got car payments. All of a sudden, you have to work now. And and I was stuck in this horror trip where I was making a lot of money. You can't walk away from that easily and I wasn't saving it because I had started to make little films and paying for them myself well this is before digital it was kind of expensive so you know I was living you know modestly and making films uh, you know one minute two minute three minute uh, films and uh, one of them got an Academy Award nomination so I what was that? seriously Sally's Diner you know that's on YouTube and how long is that and what's that about? That's 10 minutes. And it was about this, you know, uh, um, homeless guy called Sometimes Jones. And I was 32 or 33 or 34 or 35 at the time. And, uh, you know, so it, so it was a homeless guy. So uh, I was so shocked by that. And I went to the, you know, the Academy Awards. And what was that like? Again, I hated it because, look, here's what happened. I go, I get my girlfriend, I buy her a dress, I buy her this, you know, and that, you know, because neither of us had tuxedos or anything to go to. <laughs> most people Academy don't. Yeah, it's like most people don't actually kidding? have a tuxedo, yeah. I mean, you know, you know so I had to you know, lay out some money. We, went, we got a limo, and we went, and we sat, and then all I heard was, the winner is not Larry Hankin. <laughs> so then I said, let's go, let's go home, fuck this. I mean, you know, I wanted to leave. I didn't want to talk to anybody. It was just a, 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 it was a, it was a downer, man. So you know, again, I, I got this, you know, short fuse, and so I, everybody was having a good time. You know, we brought a couple of friends, so they wanted to stay. So I stayed because they wanted to, you know, see all the stars and stuff and walk on the carpet. And but I, no, I. I uh, so I decided, uh, but but I was so brought down. I was so brought down by it, and also, my phone started ringing off the hook. When you get nominated, man, uh, that I wasn't expecting that part of it because nobody talks about that. But Hollywood is really into the Academy, right. the, the Academy Awards. So I went to my you know little apartment, and I started getting calls from all these. Famous, uh, famous to be people like Ovitz. He wasn't Ovitz then. He right. was just about to be Ovitz, but he had an eye on the, you know, that. And so he says, "Hey, you know, that was really good. You know, let come on up and let's talk." So I went up and I talked, and I and again I didn't get it. Uh, that's, I think, I think that's going to be my headstone on my grave. Is, uh, <laughs> I didn't get it. But they're going to put it up a few weeks later. Wait, wait. Oh, he doesn't want it up now. He wants it two weeks from now. I, 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 don't, I didn't get it. And I, I, so uh, he would say, well, what's your next project? That's what they all said. I got a call from about at least 10 heavy hitters. Some of them disappeared and they weren't heavy hitters anymore. But at that time, you know, they pay attention. They call you. They say, hey, come on up. Let's have lunch, whatever. So when he says, well, so what's your next project? I said, I don't have a next project. He said, well, what did you make Sally's Diner for? I said, I don't know. You know, I wanted to uh, 
just I was I you know I just I had just done a big movie and I, I had a lot of money and I just wanted to see what I could do you know he goes well that's weird Larry because people don't make film shorts unless they have a project that they want to sell and this is their calling card so you have no project I go no he says, okay, well, when you do get a project, come back and see me. He's very polite. Just come back. Okay. But I uh, couldn't think of anything else to write because, again, I, I wasn't making it because I had another project in mind. I just had money, and I knew films were expensive, so I could either buy a lot of cocaine and throw it up my nose or I could do something with it. And I thought, okay, I'll do something with it. I'll make a film. I did it, and that was it. And it got an Academy Award, but I didn't win. So the hell with that. Right. Next thing. <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, so he's, and that's what they all said. They all said the same thing. All the, you know, What's your next project? And then when I said I don't have one. So now I'm starting to get an attitude about that. You know, what's this next project? Right. You know, what's this next project? That's, that's your problem, not mine. Right. You know, why you, just give me money and let me figure out a next project. Yeah, that's what I thought. That's how I thought it worked. But no, so I didn't write another thing for two years. And then I did write a screenplay finally after two years. And I called all these people. And they go, Larry, where the hell were you? You know, I, I'm on to other things. I'm out of the business. I'm, I got a full plate. Uh, you know, I don't do that. That's not on our, you know, we're, that's not what we're, the direction we're going. It's, it doesn't cost. One guy said, he, 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 I give him the screenplay. And I remember him weighing it in his hands. That's what he did. He just went like that, you know. <laughs> like, you know, hmm. He said, well, uh, how much would this cost to make? So I'm trying to be, you know, very conservative and getting it made. So I said, um, $2 million. So he throws it back to me. He says, Larry, it cost me $2 million in paperwork. He says, I, I need something, you know, substantial. Right. <laughs> so I said, well, okay, he said, too late. <laughs> He said, but, but nice try, Larry. <laughs> I mean, it's just... It's so funny, the stories. So these people, and some of them are just so full of crap. You know, yeah. they, and sometimes it's like you sit there and they go, yeah, it's crazy. But, but again, I, I couldn't cash in on the fact that like, Larry, this is great fodder for a stand-up routine. But no, because my attitude was getting in the way. So even though I would say, wow, I could do a, an open mic on just this one refusal, you know, just that, you know, or something. Uh, but no, I, I, I just got angrier. So I was carrying around with all, all this thing. And then until finally I got enough money saved up where I, I mean, I said, okay, I'm, I'm going to go and I'm going to work at these jobs and put away money until I can take off for two years. And so a, a year ago... And I was doing it in dribs and drabs, slowly dropping out. But, you know, I would turn down more jobs than I would get offered. Now, would, they would call you? I mean, would you have to go through the audition process again? Or would they knew well, you, they would call I, you? I, that's what started to really bother me. That that's, was the, the, the straw that got me out on the limb. Um, I, uh, I, I started to turn down. I said, no, I, I won't audition. You, you look at my resume. Yeah, I mean, you're, which you're, is that's again, but that's an attitude. No, I mean, really famous people audition. I mean, sometimes I would go to auditions where you would say, I would, I say, you're auditioning, you know, re really, you know, heavy hitters. That's you know, it's it, you, because they want to be actors. I'm a performer. I'm not an actor. In other words, I guess what I'm saying is, I'm kind of a Johnny One Note. I can do one or two really good characters, and if I audition for those kind of characters, nine times out of ten, I'll get it. But if my guy, you know, my agent send me up for something that's not in my, in my pocket, right? Uh, no, I, I don't get it, and I, and I would get surly. It's you know, look, this is what I do. You know, it's well, we don't want you to do it that way, but but we really respect you as an actor, Larry. You're really a good actor, so do it this way. And I'd go, I mean, one time I just said, you know, the guy who came in, because sometimes you would listen at the door to see how the guy auditioning before you just doing it. Right. You do it like him. Don't do it like him. So I was listening. So they go. So I said, hey, you know what? You know, the guy who auditioned before me. 
They go, yeah, with this puzzled look on their face. They always have this puzzled look on their face. <laughs> yeah. I said, he was really good. You should get him. And then I would just say, can I go now? <laughs> and they go, yeah. And they would just kind of wonder, what was that all about? You know? Uh, so the, after a while, I was just, I was, now I was pl playing the game. I was playing, making a game out of it just to see the expression on their faces. I, I tell you, I'm not cut out. I, I'm not a, I'm, I'm not a, I, whoever's listening to this, or th this audition, <laughs> this audition. <laughs> whoever, listen, you're going to come to the conclusion about what kind of guy I am. I haven't figured that out yet. I'm close. But just listen to this interview, and you can probably figure out why I'm doing what I'm doing, which is doing my own stuff. And I really like that. And I'm getting the same thing as I got with the uh, God and the cursing and the weed references. Well, you said you took two years off. You said you wanted to take two years off. So you, you took some projects, but you said... So I'm into my first year. Okay, I'm, so... You, I'm into my... Yeah, and I've done an awful lot on my own. As a matter of fact, I am so glad that I did it because I've been stunted for all the time. I, because you don't have time. You're either looking for work when right. you're an actor or you're... I have also... I have very heavy uh, ADHD, you know. Uh, so it takes me a long time to memorize lines. So I have to request the script uh, either ahead of time or as soon as they can get it to me. Right. I need about twice as long to memorize stuff as an ordinary real, per real actor. Real actor. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you're in your first year. So, yeah. And so you go, okay, so now you're what do you do you it's your first day you go okay well i'm taking this time off here's what okay, i'm gonna do so, uh, okay that that's very interesting and i had to get used to it to figure out how i learn i don't l learn like other people because of my adhd um <clears throat> mainly i figured out it's uh, i i learn by i i identically in other words i have to get into the center of it and just drown until i figure out what's going on but if you start to teach me how to do it I, I, I refuse to, I, my mind does. I mean, I, I would like to learn, but I can't. Uh, not that I can't. That's, that's a ridiculous thing to say, you can't. But you don't want to. But, but I, I don't want to, and my mind really clamps up when, when you start to say, okay, you know, this is your first step, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. No, just put me in the middle of it, and, and let me just be bad for a while. That's... Like when I was a stand-up comedian, I would just get up on stage and start talking. And I learned how to be a comedian by being up on the stage and having people either boo me or laugh. And I would remember the laughs and forget the boos until finally I got a whole clump of laughs that were 20 minutes worth. You know, but nobody taught me how to be. And so I did the same thing. Uh, so um, I... I figured as, as long as I'm going to drown, I might as well drown on, on my own terms. Okay. N not drown by somebody telling me to do it this way and be bad by doing it their way. Let me be bad by doing it my way. At least I, I'll learn something and I'll get better because I always do. That's the one thing. And it's uh, called um, either eidetic learning or uh, what's the other thing? Um, muscle memory. I, by learning to play the guitar, I, I figured out, oh, that's how I learned. Because my fingers would learn faster than my cognitive brain. Okay. I, I could get the fingering really fast if I just didn't pay attention. <laughs> just... Because you're not thinking about it. It's like it's yeah, like yeah, dancing. It's, if, you, if, you don't think, if you don't think about dancing, exactly. you're going to do good. If you just listen to the music and instead of thinking, and I look like rhythm. an idiot, you get sit the there and go, and yeah, and you know, then you sit there exactly. and you go, okay. But once you start thinking about it, then you go, right. and I start wait, to my, trip. My, yeah, exactly. That's and what I, happens. And I lose my balance. So, so that's it. So that was really cool and I started to really like it. But as far as how, how did it begin? Okay, I, I, I've ended my acting. I'm now sitting at home. Now what do you do? That's the scary part. I, I sat for about two to three months. And I've done this over my lifetime, so I kind of remember. I, when I quit something, I don't have anything in mind. But I do know, I believe, that, I, that what I want to do will arise okay. if I be qu get quiet enough. So I sat for two or three months just worrying and just sitting. And, and then I go, oh, I got an idea for a film. And then, boom, and then I made the film. 
and I had enough money saved, so I made it. And then I got another one, uh, another idea. So I shot three, uh, and, and this is the fourth one over a period of... Um, I, I, as a matter of fact, I, I re-edited some stuff just to get myself in the rhythm of... I, I got some old stuff that I had shot about five or six or seven years ago. And I started, and I edited it into one hour. That was the first thing that I did okay. after three or four months, and that uh, won a prize. And where uh, at? Uh, some festival, you know. Some I, I didn't send it was I didn't send it to a big festival like uh, South by Southwest. I sent it to some obscure, um, what do you call it? Experimental. Okay. Um, festival. And it it won some you know merit award or something like that because it's because most of my work is now called instead of get off the stage you need television material it's now called quirky okay now now how that do stuff you, is quirky how do you get your ideas I and mean, do you sit there and go okay I'm gonna I mean because if you write quirky I mean it's like anything yeah. I've written quirky stuff and people like I'm working on a book okay. and some um, people are like I have I have because I lived in my car for a year in back in San Francisco. I didn't know it then. I was just living in my car because I didn't have enough money to have an apartment. Um, and the committee had left. So I was just up there, and I didn't want to become an actor. So I lived in my car waiting for something to happen. Well, what happened was Allison Kane called. But while I was living in my car, I was starving. And I would get stuff robbed. You know, you live on the street. You're, when you're homeless, man, that is a trip. And it... Uh, can you say fuck on your radio? It's internet. Yeah, it's fine. Okay, then I'll say it. Um, it. It fucks with your mind. It fucks with your wiring. If you're homeless for more than six months, I don't care who you are, you're a changed person. You start to look at survival like it's a win. And uh, the takeaway, <laughs> to quote some political expression, takeaway is that it really impressed me. I mean, it left a mark. Uh, not uh, you could say a scar, but living for a year being homeless, that's what my writing is. So all my ideas are about, and then I suddenly realized, oh my God, Chaplin's Tramp was actually homeless. I thought, wow, I found a clown. I found somebody who's really funny that lived the life I'm living and portrayed the life that I lived. And so that's, so I, I, I'm writing about this homeless guy. So all my movies, you can go up on YouTube. There's a hundred of them. No, there's not a hundred. There's 30, I think. And just type in Larry Hankin? Just type in Larry Hankin. And, and they're all about this homeless guy, this crazy, weird, quirky homeless guy. Now, television, I brought it to, uh, brought it to several, you know, t television stations and uh, in, in what do you call it? Uh, networks. Networks. And they—that's what they said. It's really funny, Larry, but it's a little too quirky. We're not—we're not there yet. But they, they said, but any time you get an idea, so and that's what I thought I would focus on when I took this year off or two years off. I'm into it for a year. They said, you know, when you get something that you want to show us, we're open. You know, you are a funny guy. You're a good actor. We know your work, uh, but. We need something a little different than what. So I think this one that Beltsman mentioned to you, I think this is it. Yeah, I saw the picture. It was, it was Beltsman and Hessman? Howard Hessman? Uh, Howard Hessman, me, Beltsman, uh, Fred Willard is in it. Uh, a couple of have. Edie McClurg was in one. Uh, so there's three. There's Sally's Diner, which is the older back, one, but the Oscar but nominated. But the guy. Okay. Uh, that came from now, when I was you, homeless you, up in San Francisco. Are you Francisco, the lead? But what? Are you the lead in all these? Yeah. Okay. You know, I just write for me. What's it like directing yourself, though? You don't. You just do your thing? You don't worry about it? I, you know, that's one thing that, that I don't uh, worry about because I believe I'm funny. I don't, you know, if you're not laughing at me, that's your problem. Right. So you just... <laughs> no, that's, that's why you should be. Uh, you know, uh, it's, uh, I know what's funny. But, you know, <laughs> it's, it's such a, I mean, you have to think that way. If, you, if you're going to be a comedian, you got to think you're funny. If you don't think you're funny, man, you're dead. Well, you have you to. Know, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, and it's a, blind, it's a blind spot. You know, you just got to go through it. Uh, but I do know that if nowadays, you know, if, if like I have a script and you say, hey, let me read it. 
I'll give it to you. You'll read it. And then, you know, if you laugh, I'll want to ask, hey, what'd you laugh at? Right. You know, I, I mean, it just, that's natural. Yeah, because you want to know what part Yeah, yeah what would you laugh at, you know? Yeah, exactly Oh, that's that. funny. Oh, cool. Uh, it just, you know, gives me a little backup. Now, what was the one, what, what's, is the homeless detectable one you shot with Mark homeless, and Howard? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, now what's uh, so, that about? Excuse me? No, so, so tell me the storyline on that. Well, I came up with the, I hope nobody, uh, well, it's, it's great. It's great. I, it, basically, I've been doing this, this homeless guy, and then he started to get a motorcycle, and I put him on this homeless guy, so he was on the road. So now he's a homeless guy on the road, and that was Don Quixote. So it's Don Quixote on a motorcycle, and that's uh, the outlaw Emmett Demas. That's on YouTube. So the outlaw, there's three of them, the outlaw Emmett Demas, outlaw Emmett Demas, uh, and... Uh, Willie Jones and the Outlaw Demas and the Porno Queen. Those are three. They all won festival prizes. Sally's Diner. They're all the same character. Each gets a little older because I don't do them. You know, now I want to do them all the time. I used to do like one a year or two a year. So, uh, so then I thought, you know, uh, I, I want to maybe do a sitcom. Not one camera, like uh, Louis C.K. He, he's really cool. And also like Chaplin. You know, I mean, a homeless guy. But uh, I needed to give him something else, and so I made him a homeless detective. Cop shows. Right. So I thought, okay, a homeless detective. Now, when I, I thought that, that would be good because I can think of things to do. I can, that would help stories come because it's, it's a genre already. Homeless is not a genre yet, but detective is. Right. So I thought, okay, homeless detective. And then when I told it to people, I said, well, what are you writing about? I said, well, it's a homeless detective. They laughed. Every time I said, um, well, I'm thinking about doing a Don Quixote on a motorcycle, they would laugh. Well, enough people laughed at me telling them just that. Ah, oh, Don Quixote on a motorcycle. I got three films out of that. The Outlaw Emmett Demas. That came out of me just telling... It's called a what? Uh, a, a what? What kind of line? A log line. Yeah, a log line. A so, log line. So how long are these? Are these spelled, most of these films? Ten minutes. They're all ten minutes. Now, Eight to ten minutes. Now, did you now the short ones, some are a minute, some are three minutes, some are 20 minutes. One is an hour. The compilation of all the little films I put into one story. And they're all, they're all based on the same story arc. Emmett, the guy's name, has a, a, an arc from when he's 14 to when he's 85. And I just make a film along that arc. Okay. So if for some reason in the year 3000, you want to put them all together, they'll actually It'll, fit. Okay. It's like a little train. <laughs> you know? No, no, no. Do you, uh, do you actually write a script out or is it a lot of improv? No, no. It's, it's, all, it's all written. Now I, I, I write. Um, uh, film is... There's too many people involved, and, and too ex either it's too expensive, digital kind of cuts into that, uh, so it's not to, but there's too many people, and, and, and you're working on a timeline. I mean, not a timeline, but eight, nine to five. I mean, you're getting other people involved. They have other things, kids and right. other jobs. To, so mainly you're working on a, a shoestring budget or favor. These films that I make. Now, do you edit them to yourself? I've been editing them myself. I have an editor, uh, Paul Ballinger. Uh, he's really great. But this this particular one, I just hired uh, uh, a guy. Uh, not that I hired, but he he. I showed him the script. I showed a couple of people the script, and they thought it was this is the best one yet. This is this might be a TV, you know, welcome thing. So, uh, but it was for $50,000. You know, I had it budgeted. I don't have that much money. I mean, I can't make it. So some kid that, that uh, called me and said, uh, you know what I do a lot of? Webisodes. Right. Because they're from UCLA. All these UCLA graduates and young, young people around 25, 20, 22, 23. They're so cool, man. I, I, so I work for them for free. Just to see what they're doing, they're really great, and uh, so I don't want to learn. And they don't—they don't think I'm quirky. They think I'm just funny. They don't—and and they don't care what I do. I, I don't do anything outrageous. I do what I want, and they think it's funny, and they leave it in. So uh, one of these guys said, "You know, what are you doing? You just—you know—I was working for him. He was doing a little—a little, a little uh, webisode, and I said I wrote this thing called a homeless, homeless detective. Can I read it? Yeah." 
he read it. He says, oh, don't you want to do this? I go, yeah, but $50,000, it's too expensive. He says, I can do it for nothing. Now, what he meant by nothing was a couple of bucks. Right. But it was something I could handle. <laughs> you know, it wasn't outrageous. A couple of thousand dollars. Really cheap. I said, how? He says, well, you can use my apartment, and we're friends, so he can shoot it, and, and uh, you know, Jason can edit it, and, uh, you know. So I said, wow. And he said, yeah, because uh, why? He said, well, we want the credit. We need the credit. You're a famous person, so we're working with you, so that's good. And we just think it's really funny, and we want to do it. So I said, okay, I'm going to call your bluff, and I just gave him a check right there. And they did it. And the, the guy, Ben Sullenberger, man, he just did it. I mean, we're, we're waiting for the edit. But we shot it in six days. It's the longest shoot I've ever done. My, my, mainly my stuff is done on the weekend, you know, Friday, Saturday, and maybe Sunday or mo maybe Monday. But there's six days. And we got Fred Willard uh, aboard, and we got Howard Hessman, we got Beltsman, we got the, a couple other actors. Uh, and uh, it's pretty funny. I think it's pretty funny now when will that will that be going on to the youtube when it comes out no this one i'm going to take to uh well eventually yeah but what i want to do is take it to the to the majors to the minors to hulu to to uh amazon to ebay to netflix to, right. you know and see if we can get like the or a showtime or hbo uh but some place where you know the this new thing is uh uh, a 10, a series of 10. Right. That's a new 10. On HBO. 10, yeah. Di digital HD. HD. We, we, we got a few minutes left. Okay. Um, so, now do you have a, you, <laughs> yeah, exactly. do you, do you have a website or anything? Or, or just all well, I have YouTube a website. Or? You can go on YouTube or, or Vimeo or uh, my LarryHankin.com. Uh, www.larryhankin.com Now, you're not doing any other acting besides your own stuff right now? No, no. Now, do I mean, if somebody wants to not audition me and just call me, give me money, and let me act, and it's in my bailiwick. It's, it's <laughs> your wheelhouse. It's your wheelhouse. wheelhouse. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, you know, because it'll just give me enough money to make another one. Uh, but if you're going to, you know... If it's going to be a, a long process where it interrupts my day, right. my creative day, <laughs> then actually, no, and it's not out of attitude. It's I, I'm really into this, what I'm doing. Now, do you have your next ones lined up, what you're going to do, or you sit, wait till this is done? Well, well then Ben says to me, because he wants to make more of these, we all do. Uh, he says, hey, you know, let's write another one. And I go, wow, yeah, but you're kind of depleted. I got to, you know either think about it or, and he said well let's just continue this the, the, this one we shot is 30 minutes so okay. that'd be like 24 to 30 but let's you know that so that's to be a pilot so what's the next one is it is it a five minute webisode but he said connect it so i'm thinking wow yeah that would be really cool for hbo so we're trying to maybe write a uh, an, an actual saga. What do you call it? An epic? Uh, 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 a ten, yeah. uh, a maybe an hour or a half hour, right. but ten of them all at once. So that's that's now my next project is take a really big hunk of of story narrative and uh, and see where it goes. But we're looking for you know a, a showrunner or a producer or a manager or an agent or you know I gave up the whole thing now. Just That's to go good, in this though, direction. Man. You're getting that thing on. Anyway, we we got to wrap up soon. Uh, so, oh, okay. so that was good. No, see, now you're going in the direction you want to go, which is all that, you This do. is exactly the direction. Took for I a little while, but now you're going to, you know what you're doing. Instead of saying, it's not going to come back here two weeks later, you're going to go, I'm on. I'm exactly. on point. But but that's paid off with the the, the 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 three to six months of sitting after I quit. Exactly. I said, Don't call me anymore. It gets scary, you know, know. just sitting there. Well, I want to thank you for coming on. So people uh, check them out. To go to go to YouTube, check out Larry Hacken. Do you tweet? Uh, no, I don't. But people, I should tweet. So YouTube or YouTube Vimeo or LarryHankin.com. Go check that out. People also follow me on Twitter at Cooper Talk. Yeah. Uh, go to my website, coopertalk.net. I have about 310 episodes up. Or you can go to iTunes or Stitcher Radio and Cooper Talk One Word, and they're all up there, too. iHeart's a little bit slow right now. They have about seven episodes up. They're 10 behind on me. But if you want to hear the newer episodes, they're on there. Also, please email me, cooper at coopertalk.net. I'd love to hear from you guys. And, yeah, that's about it. Uh, follow me on Twitter at coopertalk. Check out Larry's stuff 
on YouTube. I'm going to do it today because when I get home, I have nothing else to do. My girlfriend's out of town. So I'm going to watch some of the movies. All right. And uh, yeah, so people, that's it. I'm Steve Cooper. I'm only as hip as my guest. Don't forget, drink your water, eat your vegetables, take your vitamins. You guys have a safe week, and I'll be talking to you next time.